I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today, we got Robbie Morris with us, and he's the executive director of the Randolph County, West Virginia Economic Development Authority. Been a friend of mine for a long time. So, Robbie, welcome to our show. Thanks, Chad. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, so why don't we start with you just telling these folks where Randolph County, West Virginia is. All right, so Randolph County, West Virginia is located in north-central West Virginia, Elkins is the county seat. We are one of the largest geographic counties east of the Mississippi. We have about 1,040 square miles in the county. So we're a large, large county. With that, we have about 30,000 residents in the county and uh, about 55,000 workers within the labor shed within 45-minute-ish drive from any parts. Even though I say in Randolph County, you can drive 45 minutes and not hit one end of the county to the other. So you know, all that's relatively speaking, but yeah, so the old flipping of the bird can show you in West Virginia, you know, I can show you where you're located, but some people take offense to that. (laughs) Well, talk about some of the recent successes y'all have had. Probably the biggest that we've had here recently, AHF Products, which is formerly Armstrong Hardwood Flooring. We have the largest pre-finished hardwood flooring manufacturer in the country here. It's located in a community called Beverly, West Virginia. They had 750,000 square feet under roof. We added 85,000 square feet to that for additional warehousing and allowed them to create a distribution center out of that plant as well as expand their manufacturing line as well. So a nice expansion there. We had a foundry that actually had closed. A lot of you know foundry work has gone overseas to China and that kind of stuff. And there's a company out of Indiana that bought our foundry, which was essentially turnkey, and they are getting it fired back up. So that was a nice revitalization of an old, you know, manufacturing plant right here in uh, downtown Elkins. In November of 2019, we were able to get a medical device manufacturing company. They make 360 degree endoscopes. So that was really nice. It's actually here in one of our incubator bays here at the Randolph County Development Authority. 
So that was nice. Greenfield Cabinetry is currently doing a major capital investment upgrade in equipment, working towards an expansion of their facility. They actually were on tap to expand their facility right before COVID. And they held off for a little bit and then COVID hit and they were really glad. They said, you know, sometimes procrastination can pay off. And in that situation, they were happy that it did, but still growing uh, employee counts and new equipment, capital investment. So really happy there. Our tourism economy has really grown by leaps and bounds during COVID. You know, as people tried to escape some of the more populated areas and get out and about, it's provided a lot of opportunities for our tourism outfitters, you know, here in Randolph County, we have the headquarters of the Monongahela National Forest. So Elkins and Randolph County is kind of the gateway to a lot of the natural wonders of the state and, you know, a lot of outdoor rec opportunities with trout fishing streams and hunting and all the stuff that a national forest can provide. So those have been a lot of the big growth sectors here recently. Well, you said a couple of things that I want to kind of drill down on. One, West Virginia, I think, is doing a great job from a state level, not just a local level, of kind of promoting the whole tourism to remote workers. Because now so many people who used to have to go to the office can work from anywhere. <laughs> I mean, absolutely yes. anywhere. Yep. I have seen this Aspire West Virginia program where one of y'all's entrepreneurs, I think, ended up being the CEO of Intuit and QuickBooks and all. He's donated a lot of money, and West Virginia is now actually recruiting remote workers to certain parts of the state. And part of their pitch is you can work from here. We'll actually incent you to move here and you get all of the outdoor recreation. They're going to have people tour them around and show them all the things to do. So I want to drill down on that. And then two, you mentioned incubator for manufacturers, it sounds like. And I had uh, Jim Spencer on here from Bluefield, West Virginia, I don't know, a month or two ago. And those guys have also started a manufacturing incubator. Many people think of incubators as just you know, for the lab or the startup, you know, uh, technology type company, not necessarily manufacturing. And so I think that's actually really smart. It seems like you guys are on the cutting edge of that. So take whichever one of them first you might want. Yeah. So the Ascend West Virginia program is started off of $25 million donation to West Virginia University from Brad Smith, whom you mentioned, former CEO and still on the board of Intuit. He's from Canova, West Virginia, which is down around Huntington in the Cavill Wayne County area and is a great West Virginian and has really dedicated this part of his career to helping West Virginia diversify our economy and really grow from uh, several different aspects, but is obviously in technology. So West Virginia just announced this program a few weeks ago. Three communities were selected for kind of the pilot project of it, Morgantown, Lewisburg, and Shepherdstown, but going to pay $12,000 to individuals moving to the state $10,000 over the first year, and then $2,000 at the end of the second year, plus provide free outdoor recreation opportunities for the first year. And there'll be a whole Ascend West Virginia community that's kind of created for networking and getting established. From what I understand, they've had thousands of applicants so far, but this is a program that Brad is wanting to you know, work with WVU and the state of West Virginia to pilot and then hopefully launch into a permanent program you know, because West Virginia is a great place to live and work and all the activities that you can have were located very nicely in the mid-Atlantic region on the East Coast. And so you can work from anywhere. You can be a tech worker in California and live right here, you know, in Randolph County and enjoy all the small town life with being connected to the world. So it's a really great program and I'm proud of the state for launching it. 
So they're even going to set up a virtual office areas where these people working can, you know, have one location to go to and print copies and have a typical virtual type office. The way I read it, they're starting in those three towns to kind of scale it up. And then they hope to recreate it all over West Virginia. And I think it is a, a very, very smart program. I actually know somebody that's already applied to, <laughs> to move to one of them. So Great. what was interesting is it looks like they're going to have a liaison. If you move there, they're then going to introduce you to all the other people who've moved there. They're going to take yep. you on weekly or monthly recreational tours. You can see all the stuff. It's not going to be just up to you to go out and find all that. So nope. they really thought through that. So then talk about the incubator space, because that's interesting. I think uh, you guys in West Virginia are doing a really good job of some of that stuff. The Randolph County Development Authority also operates the West Virginia Wood Technology Center, which was created in the early 90s as a workforce development arm of the development authority for primarily the hardwoods industry being the major industry in our area. And with that came three incubator spaces for manufacturing. We've had office incubators in there as well. They shift around depending upon the need. We can do build out and what have you. But in Bay 3, we have medical device manufacturer. It was a local doctor who actually built and created this scope that can see 360 degrees inside. And, you know, being from this area, wanted to start, you know, this business, but going through all FDA clearances and everything else, didn't want to invest in a major facility right off the bat, wanted to, you know, continue the research and development. So he was able to rent this bay from us at substantially lower than market rates to get it started. And, you know, he's doing really well. I, I was back there just a couple of weeks ago and there are scopes all over the place and the cars in the parking lot just continue to build and build. And then he wants to build a 50 to 75,000 square foot warehouse here in the county to actually build these scopes on a larger scale to ship worldwide. So it's really been a great success story here recently and added a new sector to our economy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something a lot of people can use in their thinking. I don't know that when people say incubator that everybody thinks of manufacturing incubator. And I think that's really smart to add that as not the only part, but add that as a component. So Let's shift a little over into your career background. And so uh, actually you and I are good examples of networking. So Robbie and I met, we both served on the SEDC, Southern Economic Development Council Board. I think you served as the West Virginia director and I was the Kentucky director years ago, like literally 10 or 15 years ago. So we've known each other a while. So we got a lot of young economic developers that listen and that just goes to show you how important it is to go to some of those events and get to know your peers, because later on, you never know when you're going to need their help or assistance. And I think we're good examples of that. So take us back to how you first stumbled into this world of economic development. It was really interesting. I graduated with my master's in 2007. And kind of the plan was always to take over my father's human resources consulting firm that he had. He passed away at the end of 2006. So, you know, I took over after graduation and did that for a couple of years. And then in 2009, I was on the board of our Chamber of Commerce and the director had resigned. And so the board was saying, okay, what are we going to do here short term? And I said, well, you know, I have my own business. I can come in and, you know, if I can work from there, you know, a little bit when necessary, but I can keep the lights on and, you know, pay the bills and take care of members' needs and whatever for a little while until we find somebody. So, you know, two, three weeks goes by and there was a lot going on with the chamber at that time. And I just fell in love with the work. So I actually ended up applying to be the executive director full time and I was selected. So it worked out really, really well. Did that for a couple of years. And then the development authority director, actually my predecessor 
got a job with the uh, Federal Reserve Bank in Richmond. And so she left and I was encouraged to apply for this job and got it. You know, economic development, like most of our colleagues that I always talk to, this was never a, hey, I want to go to college and I want to be an economic developer when I grow up. I've yet to meet that person said that's what they did, but they somehow stumbled into it. And it's been a huge blessing on my life. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other builders and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success so you've been there now a good long while you know, a lot of these positions turn over a lot and so you have obviously found a secret to longevity longer than the average person so what do you really love about this i mean on those cold winter mornings when it's hard to go to work what gets you out of bed raring to go i have lived in elkin since i was two and a half so, you know, it's hometown. So there's obviously a lot of drive to improve the place that you grew up. Our colleagues always talk about, we want to create jobs, jobs, jobs. But I don't think a lot of them actually reflect on what that job means and the impact it has on that person that you're creating that opportunity for. You know, I tell people, I don't get you jobs. My job is not to get you hired. My job is to create that opportunity for you to get yourself hired. And when that happens, you know, I'm sure just like our other colleagues, you have people call say, hey, I'm looking for this or that, or do you know somebody there? And you make references and referrals where you can, and you hear from employers saying, hey, if you know anybody, let them know we're hiring. And when they actually call you back and say, hey, I went to that interview and I got the job, this is a real step up for our family, gonna be able to do this and that, it is such a great feeling. I get cold chills just thinking about it. I don't mean for it to sound corny or cliche, but that's what drives me to see people that drive around, you know, an old jalopy type car. And then six to eight months, they've got a little better car and they're moving from renting an apartment to buying a small starter home. Those kinds of things are just wonderful to me. And so that's what really drives what I do here each and every day. So it sounds like your dad owned his own business. So take us back to uh, when you grew up and maybe what you saw from him and how that might have laid the foundation to what you're doing now. My dad entered fatherhood at a later age than most. He was 47 when I was born. So I grew up in what I call a more mature household. And my dad was a business and community leader here in the county, did a lot with state government and other things. So I was exposed to a lot of business type settings as I was growing up and I just always found it fascinating. I'd go with him to meetings and 
social gatherings and things of that nature. And I just was a sponge. I just always paid attention to how he interacted with people, how others interacted with each other and, you know, developed a lot of friendships with older individuals when I was fairly young. Well, then fast forward to when I actually entered the workplace after college and a lot of those relationships were still there and being at a time right when I entered the workforce to kind of be on par with my dad, he passes away. So there were a lot of his friends that kind of took me under their wing and fostered that growth when I was young and developing and all that and would give me advice. It was really neat. A lot of those relationships still exist today. And I lean on a lot of those people, you know, for advice. Well, take us back to when you were about 10 years old. I like to see what people used to want to be and how close that ended up to being an economic developer. So do you want to be a baseball player? What do you want to be when you were 10 years old? I wanted to be an attorney. I don't know why. Thank goodness the good Lord knew better than that. I appreciate attorneys. Obviously, I have to deal with them from time to time, and I appreciate what they do. But I can't imagine my life today doing what they do each and every day. So I actually worked for an attorney through high school and through college as a legal assistant. So I got a good dose of that, and it taught me a lot. And A lot of those skill sets I still use each and every day, but that would not have ended up working out for me too well. But those are good skill sets, though, because I mean, it teaches you how to write. And then obviously you yeah. have to know, you know, how you can spend public monies and all. So that's interesting that that led you down that path. So who was the biggest influence on your career so far? You know, obviously my parents and, you know, my dad from a business perspective, from a home life, you know, my mom was. But I've got a lot of individuals that actually sit on my board here today that are even some of my dad's old friends that are now much older that I still rely on heavily. The attorney I worked for throughout high school and college has been a mentor of mine for a long time. My best friend growing up was a guy named Todd Woodford. His father has kind of been like a second dad to me my entire life. So those are the people that really influenced all great business people, all great community oriented and community minded. I'm involved in several different civic organizations throughout the community and the state. And all of that kind of led through their mentorship. And it's definitely paid off for, you know, having connections for here, there to get deals done and to try and promote and do things that you can to help your community. Those connections have definitely paid off. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. Our executive search spotlight this week's on the Marshalltown Area Chamber of Commerce up in Marshalltown, Iowa. We're doing the search for their next president and CEO. The Marshalltown Area Chamber is a five-star accredited chamber by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. This chamber has a 120-year history of success. It's one of those all-encompassing chambers, which has a program of work that includes advocacy, includes economic development, tourism, membership, community relations, and numerous events and programs. I tell you, Marshalltown Marshalltown is located in a great location. If you look at a square between Des Moines and Ames and go over to Cedar Rapids and Iowa City, if you can picture that in Iowa, because Des Moines is the state capital, Ames is home of Iowa State University, Iowa City is home of University of Iowa, and Cedar Rapids is a tremendous town. If you go to Cedar Rapids, you're going to enjoy yourself. Marshalltown sits right square in the middle of it, so it's in a great location. This job really reminds me of a job that set up my entire career. I got to run the Lawrenceburg Tennis 
Tennessee Chamber of Commerce, and it was very similar to this. It was a chamber of commerce in a small town, but it was close to everything, just like Marshalltown is. And it had one of those big programs of work. We did economic development. We did efficacy. We did all of that. So it's easy to see why this thing is a five-star accredited chamber by the U.S. Chamber. So this is going to be a tremendous opportunity for somebody to really affect the entire business climate and quality of life within this community. The pay is going to be between $90,000 and $150,000, depending on experience and qualifications. If you're interested, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash Marshalltown to learn more. You're going to need to apply before May 28th. And if you have any questions about it, feel free to call us or book a Zoom with us. We'd love to tell you about it. Do you have any daily little habits that you think make you successful? I've had economic developers say that their whole staff reads one book a month together and they talk about it. I've had one say that every night he pours a scotch about nine o'clock and studies all his competition. I've had one say that he has to shut the door for two hours a week where nobody can bother him saying actually work because all the rest of the time people are always, you know, asking for stuff. If you really analyze your own self, are there any habits you have that keep you on track that maybe others could learn from? You know, the first thing I do each and every day is I read news from around the state and certain news outlets on economic development trends and what's going on in state politics, because obviously that has a lot to do with economic development. So, you know, I try and stay current on the news as much as possible. And then, you know, I usually stay after working hours, technically eight to five. But like the other person said, I'll stay afterwards just to try and, you know, catch up on emails and all that sort of stuff. I try as hard as I can not to let you know phone calls go past the day that messages were left. I'm getting married here in 10 days, so that's been more difficult to keep up with here in the recent past, but nothing out of the ordinary, at least I think that's out of the ordinary. I like the scotch idea. I may switch that up to bourbon. <laughs> um, that's not a bad idea right there. Well, I tell you, the more our business grows, I'm finding that I'm having to do nearly all the technical work that I have to do which I don't do as much as I used to because now we've got a pretty good sized staff, but I still have to do some and I'm having to do nearly all of it at night or on the weekend. And it's a good problem. I'm not complaining. I kind of now feel like some of those economic developers like you, because all day long I'm getting calls from clients and potential clients and stakeholders and mayor that heard a show and wants to buy, you know, and that's all great, but I can't, you know, sometimes I got to sit and write a strategy and I have to think about that. I can't start it and stop it. So I'm having to do a lot of that at night and on the weekends. And I'm not complaining because I'm glad our business is growing, but I understand how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big to-do list kind of guy. Even if I just finished something five minutes ago, I'll write it on the list just so I could mark it off and feel more successful. So I'm a big to-do list guy, but you're right. You know, there's so many interruptions during the day, which is great. I'd rather have that than sitting at my desk and nobody calling, nobody stopping by to see me. So it is a good problem. But at the end of the day, it is still a problem. So you have to figure out how to mitigate that. And that's normally when everyone else is home with their family and are enjoying themselves on the weekends. That means some more work. 100% right. Last night, I had something on my list and I got to check it off at like 1030. But that felt good to check it <laughs> off before I got, to, I got to sleep comfortably. Well, as we wind down, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received in this industry? I've had a lot of great advice. Probably, you know, the best serious advice that I've had is, you know, treat everyone that you deal with in the economic development world as if they're the next decision maker on a project. Take you, for example, you know, I admired a lot of what you did when I was a young economic developer and, and we would see each other at SEDC events and everything you had going on in Paducah was just 
you know, fantastic. And that's somebody we need to watch, but you develop those relationships and then, you know, you're in the site consultant game and others that I know have gotten into that realm as well. You know, think of Hal Johnson and some others from SEDC that end up going there. So you just develop those relationships and always treat everyone as if they're your next decision maker. You know, the other piece of advice that I always joke with and say that I'm probably most successful with is 50% of the people need to be mad at you or you're not doing your job. So sometimes I'm better at my job than others, but, um, you know, development a lot of times means change and change can be difficult. So you got to learn to mitigate that, which is where that piece of advice comes from. But that's really, you know, two of the things I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased to have you on here today. And, you know, I really think that the West Virginia economic development people as a state, y'all are really thinking outside of the box on uh, not just, you know, how do we recruit one industry at a time, but a holistic approach entrepreneurism, technology. As I look around at what people are doing, I really admire what y'all are doing. And I'm sure some of it is because obviously when the whole coal mines, you know, that whole downturn, you all were forced to diversify, but it's interesting to just watch kind of the strategy and how aggressive y'all are being. And I think that a lot of the country could really learn from the efforts that y'all are doing. So as we wind down, is there anything else you'd want to share with our audience? I might not have asked you. I appreciate you mentioned my colleagues throughout the state. You know, I'm currently president of the West Virginia Economic Development Council, which is made up of great economic development professionals throughout the state. And I agree that there's been a lot of effort to bring more aggressive programs to economic development. West Virginia is a great place to do business, and we continue to get better and better each and every day. So I appreciate somebody like you recognizing that, and I'm sure others will here very soon. Well, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, I look at that Aspire West Virginia program. They're paying people $12,000 if they remote work there. Let's say 300 people move there and only two of them have a billion dollar business idea. Well, guess what? You're going to be better off in the long run. You don't have to hit a lot out of the park. No. You get the right one. And I've just seen that for my own company's growth. I mean, we went from two people here in New Orleans to six and I see the tax revenue I'm writing them and I'm not complaining over it. And as somebody now who's on the job creation side as the creator, you know, if anybody ever challenges y'all and say, you know, why are y'all doing that? That's too much money or whatever. If you really look at the mathematics, it's not. If you only have two or three of those people have entrepreneurial ideas that end up making big, big companies out of it, West Virginia will prosper. Your towns will prosper. Your people, it'll be a win for everybody. And I know, you know, that was kind of a combination of your state, the tourism and the foundation, Brad Smith's foundation, you know, which was really smart, but I just think that makes a whole lot of sense. Well, you know, Chad, as you continue to grow, we'd be happy to have the next move group office right here in Elkins. So just give me a call. All right. We might need to do that. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Chad.